if you could do me a favor, you know, if you ain't that busy, if you could throw us down a couple blessings, you know, like one that I don't mess up being a manager. Uh, we're just three cats and never played a single snap. Here to tell you how to draft when the ship and run it back. The stats ain't tell the story, this is the story of the stats. You can stick it to your friends, what's more glorious than that? We're victorious in rap, bringing wrath to our rivals. We're here to shun the stats, laugh, and lead you all the titles. Stick to the path and follow us disciples. The only sin is math, and all you need is the Bible. It's the fantasy. Bible. It's the fantasy. Bible. It's the fantasy. Bible is the fantasy. Bible. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Bible. I'm your host, Nate Binder. Here with me today, as always, is Dane. How you doing, Dane? Excellent, man. I'm glad you made it through your vacation. You didn't get eaten by a panther or a Christian McCaffrey up there in the Carolina mountains, <laughs> wherever you were. Dude, that's pretty exciting. Glad you yeah. made it back. Only animals I saw were uh, two groundhogs and about 6,000 deer. I swear to God, these deer had no fear. They were coming up to us. They were waving their tails. They were, they were like expecting treats. It's a, it's a very like, you know, someone needs to do like an ecological study on the, the deer uh, behaviors and psychological profiles up in Beach Mountain, North Carolina, because it, it was some wild stuff. Um, but enough about me. How, how are you? Did I ask that already? You did. I'm good. All right. <laughs> what are we doing today, man? What's our episode about? Yep. It's about the AFC West. Yeah, uh, they're here for the football, dude. Not our personal lives. That's for damn sure. Well, it's just, I'm just adding a little color, building a little uh, anticipation. Um, but yeah, we're going to break down the AFC West, which everyone knows is the most exciting division in the AFC. I don't think it's quite as exciting as the NFC West, but it does have the best team in football, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, you know, the, well, you could argue the Bucks, of course, but the Chiefs will top most power rankings, um, especially from a dynastic standpoint. Uh, but before we get into that, Dane, why don't you tell them where they can find us on Instagram? And then I'll talk a little bit, uh, you know, more about Instagram when you're done with that and Twitter and yeah. Facebook and all that stuff. So we are at Fantasy Bible Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are becoming a lot more active now that the season is ramping up. We're sliding into comments and getting in discussions and posting flagrant stuff at Cole Beasley in particular about getting vaccinated, you know. But that's all in good fun and all in good taste, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, I that's up to, for debate. Um, yeah. All I can say is that we are doing God's work. Um here's the what thing. happened to god's will what happened to god's will like we are god's will in many ways so yeah uh two announcements one we are starting hashtag cut coal campaign on facebook instagram and twitter actually just twitter i'm just i just can't say it any other way um but yeah uh so yeah just find the good fight to make sure cole beasley stays off the bills to not only protect you know the community at large but to protect our fantasy football assets because we don't want this guy infecting Stefan Diggs, infecting Josh Allen, infecting Emmanuel Sanders, who I might say is vaccinated, rising up in our rankings, Emmanuel Sanders is, let me tell you. Above Cole Beasley now, you can yeah. guarantee it. We also don't want Cole Beasley to infect Jack Anderson. And you may be asking, who is Jack Anderson? Oh, Jack let us Anderson. tell you. Seventh round pick of the Buffalo Bills and certified fanboy 
of the fantasy Bible. That's right. If you just head on over to Instagram, you'll see that an actual NFL player is interacting with our content. So yeah, that just, uh, I would really say that builds our ethos as a company day. And I feel like, you know, the people feel even more that they can rely on us knowing that the content we put out is consumed on a regular basis by uh, NFL offensive linemen. <laughs> wow no response dane is speechless he's I am literally speechless. It, it proves to me that we've made it as a podcast we took that next step we are we are officially uh, we're verified basically we're verified because that guy's verified he liked our stuff so now we're verified that's how it works right it's like the virus it's only a matter of time and I, I mean listen we're responding to you know uh, we've got the watermelon bowl following us on Twitter. I mean, the watermelon bowl, that's huge. Um, f- forget about it. All right, Dane, tell us about what you got coming up next week. Uh, or like probably by like tomorrow on the, uh, on the fantasybible.com uh, scripture section. Yeah. So it should be dropping tomorrow. I'll definitely cross post to all our socials. If you're following those, you'll be able to find it. You'll be hitting the face with that post. I am teasing my article that's coming out tomorrow. It's a super secret league winning draft strategy coming soon. And I had to delay it a couple of days because there were some news that definitely impacted it. So I updated my article to incorporate that. It did not really change my, uh, you know, my strategy there, but uh, definitely want to get in on that. If you can get a super secret league winning draft strategy for free, just by listening and reading and following us on socials. Thank you so much. Yep. Uh, you know, and if you're a, if you're a real sleuth, you can probably deduce what we're talking about, but if not, you'll just have to check the fantasybible.com and wait on that article. All right, Dan, what do we got in news? Dun, 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 dun. All right. We've got a lot of news actually this week. News is starting to ramp up. It's been pretty dry. Training camp is here. Let's go. And guess who reported Aaron Rodgers reports to training camp on time. Mother lover. (laughs) What the hell? He was wearing an office t-shirt with Kevin and his chili on the t-shirt. And he was wearing some sunglasses that look like flops, man. Yeah. Straight out of his off season from Colorado, Hawaii, wherever he's been. He's been a flip, man. He is is (laughs) off his rocker. This is like a Tampa. It's big news. It's like it's like Tampa Tom has infected even Aaron Rodgers up in up in frigid Wisconsin. Yeah, he played the match with Tom and those two golf guys who are relevant in our world. But yeah, it was I bet you they had a conversation on what was your transition like? How'd you negotiate? Like I'm sure those those com- conversations happened. And so, you know, barring any last minute trade shenanigans that I do not think are viable at all at this point, Rodgers looks poised to play one more season in Green Bay. They uh him and Devonte Adams posted on, I think, I don't know, Instagram or something, uh, an allusion to the last dance of Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, kind of, you know, furthering the narrative that there's a problem with the general manager, just like Jeff Krause had with Michael Jordan and Pippen. And to me, this signifies that they are really on board for one more season. There's a lot of I don't think it's been confirmed as a recording right now, but there's word that Aaron Rodgers will be restructuring his contract to be void after this year so that he can kind of do the Tampa Bay strategy and pick a team next year. 
and Devontae Adams, his contract is up this year. Uh, they could franchise tag him, but we'll see what happens with that. It was just a cool moment. We finally had a little bit of knowledge on what is going on in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, uh, and you know, uh, there's a poll up right now on our Twitter about where Deshaun Watson could potentially be traded. We'll also put another one up about where uh, Aaron Rodgers might be traded next year because that's also you know an interesting thing to consider. I, for one... I mean, it would be cool if you went to the Eagles. If the Eagles, if the Eagles' defense is better than anyone thinks it's going to be this year, and it, and it should be with the signing of Steven Nelson, then they could be, you know, potentially a playoff-ready team if Devontae Smith has has that shit, and they can, you know, acquire Rodgers. All right, what what else do we got? So the Houston Texans are allegedly open to trade talks for Deshaun Watson now, and it could happen as soon as this week. It could happen next week. It might not happen this year. Who knows? But Watson did report to training camp despite the uh, despite his his stance on remaining adamant that he wants to be traded from the Texans. He does not want to play there. Uh, we still don't have any clarity on whether the allegations of sexual misconduct will result in misplay time for 2021, but... He could still be suspended or put on the commissioner's exempt list, which is in essence a suspension uh, by the time the season starts. So I assume he will be traded before the season starts, but we're getting into the, you know, the final hour here. So it's the witching hour as Red Zone would call it for you uh, Red Zone fans out there. But it's not a lot of time on the board now for a team to acquire a new quarterback. So it, I think he will be traded. It's up for debate, you know. We'll hear about it as soon as it happens from every Twitter account associated with football. I would disagree entirely that he's going to be traded, though. It it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I agree, because it doesn't make sense for an NFL team to put all of this draft capital that it will take to acquire him on the line when you don't have any clarity on what happened with his off-the-field situation. Like, you're... The yes, Texans 22 claim lawsuits. Yeah. And <laughs> I think it went up to 24. There are two more people who put in uh, a, a civil, a criminal claim against him uh, maybe today or something. Oh, but, I didn't even see that. Jesus. Yeah. So there's got to be got to be something there, whether it is settled or not, whether it results in a suspension or not. To me, it's very risky for an NFL team to put up first round draft picks to trade for this guy when they don't have any idea what's going to happen down the line. But I think if a team does that, they're in it for the long haul. Uh, you know, he's a quarterback who can play for another 10 years and is a proven difference maker on the field. So it's going to be something to watch. Uh, we'll keep you posted. That's all I have to say about him. Listen, Eagles, I know you're listening. Don't <laughs> do this to me. <laughs> uh, they probably won't. You're right. But uh, <laughs> So in other news, the Bears – Trade wide receiver Anthony Miller to the Texans, who we were just talking about. So that's kind of the death nail in Anthony Miller's career, if I have to say. But the Darnell Mooney hype train continues, baby. The, the Darnell Mooney hype train. He's the wide receiver for the Bears that we've been very high on as a show already. And this news adds fuel to that fire. If you play in Dynasty Leagues, go try and acquire him now. His ADP is only going to rise. And especially after he breaks out this year, you'll be regretting that you did not listen to us. I know I don't have him in Dynasty, and the guy who has him probably won't trade me, but <laughs> I still will send a text. Dynasty. It's Brandon. Oh, Brandon, Brandon, Brandon. He's so hard to trade with. He's not a guy who will let him go for, like, once you inquire about a player, he knows you want him. He'll try to sell him high. But uh, 
Anyways, you should go try that if you're in a dynasty league. And if you're in a redraft league, you should probably draft him when he's available in the middle rounds somewhere. I don't know where his ADP will go. That'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking round seven. Sounds about right. He's Sounds going, like he could creep up. There. He's going later, but by the time where people are drafting, I feel like he could creep up. Like, because I think, you know, I don't think Anthony Miller being traded like really changes what Darnell Mooney was going to do in the offense, but I do think it gives like a boost to the perception of Darnell Mooney of like, oh, this other guy's been traded away. Darnell Mooney's the true number two now. What we don't know is like what the quarterback situation is going to be. But like, say we get clarity that Fields is starting, like that's just going to hype up Darnell Mooney even more, you know? Yeah, I agree. I do think it will raise his ADP more than it truly helps him as a as a player getting more workload. Like I clearly they had a plan for him to get a more more of a workload because they traded the guy he was competing with for touches. Uh so they they had the same idea we did as, you know, fantasy football geniuses. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, to get into other news, I'll run through the rest pretty quick. Nothing as monumental as the first two things about Rodgers and Deshaun, but Logan Thomas tight end for the Washington football team had his contract ex- extended for another three years. Whoa, 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 whoa. Not monumental. I have been beating the Logan Thomas train since All right. day one on this podcast. <laughs> and you said, it, no, no, no. Logan Thomas was just a, a result was, of the situation. He, he was born of necessity because yeah. he was there. Not, in the eyes of the Washington football team, they say, this is our tight end. We're going to make him the seventh highest paid tight end in the league. Okay. Well, that's not very exciting because I think his ceiling is tight end seven. So, all right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm okay with that. Uh, Anyways, this does kind of reaffirm to me that, you know, the team believes in him and they have a plan for his role going forward. We don't need to spend too much time on him. We'll, we'll give you a rundown of positions before we get into the season, but Definitely worth noting that he did get extended on that team with Ron Rivera. Another news, C.D. Lamb will supposedly move into multiple roles in the offense rather than being solely a slot receiver. Uh, this definitely said adds. This. I said this. These are all, we're just hitting yes. the, the Nate, yeah. the Nate yeah. role here. <laughs> bullseye after bullseye. That's why you're listening. Uh, so, yeah, this definitely adds upside to his fantasy stock. This is exactly what people were projecting with him moving up into the fringe wide receiver one wide receiver two spot in drafts uh he's been right behind amari cooper but with all the amari cooper fear and injury concerns i think this kind of just cements that cd lamb will be going ahead of him in a lot of drafts uh he could be maybe my wide receiver 13 or 14 now with this news instead of 16 like this is a it's enough for me to believe it because I already believed it. So if I'm hearing it, it you know, maybe confirmation bias. But uh, anyways, very exciting. Very exciting. Yeah, I'm starting to feel like CD Lamb is not going to make it out of the second round of our draft. I think he'll be early third. Early third. Be sounds, early early third, third is where he should go. But I know like somebody if, might be really yeah, high on him. Like yeah. if you, you picked like, like, okay, like Lats picks fifth, he could definitely take CD as, as wide receiver one. That's true. He's super high on rookies and, you know, up and coming talent. And just like hype candidates and stuff like that. Sometimes for better, sometimes for worse. Um, All right. All right. A quick rundown of the last 
Joe Burrow has been cleared to do everything in training camp for the Bengals. This is good news. And as of now, I'm projecting him. He plays week one with confidence. We probably won't see him in preseason, but I'm not concerned about that. Christian McCaffrey is fully healthy. Saquon Barkley will not be rushed back. And 85% of the NFL players have received at least one vaccine. So some pretty interesting stuff there. Not worth expounding upon right now because it's all just pretty vague, but, uh, Worth mentioning because they're high assets. Good for Joe. It's nice to get some clarity. All right. And so if you've been listening, we've been doing a mystery question each episode. And on this mystery question, I wanted to make it a little spicier. I wanted to rack Nathan's brain like it's never been, you know, stimulated before. Hey, I'm an IB, I'm an IB graduate. I <laughs> yeah, that doesn't say much. <laughs> so I'm coining this the mystery question rapid fire round. I've got four I've got four questions for Nate, and they are relating to the division that we will be diving into in just a moment. So all I want from you is a yes or no answer, and then I'll move immediately into the next question. I don't want much hesitation. You don't need to justify yourself, but if you want to double back at the end of it all and explain anything, then we can do that if you want. But I just want to get a a feel for this. So let's go. Will there be any wide receiver worth starting on the Chiefs other than Tyreek? Yes or no? No. Who will have more fantasy points on the year, Josh Jacobs or Kenyon Drake? That's not a yes or no answer. Okay, well, you Josh Jacobs or Kenyon Drake? <laughs> Josh Jacobs. Yes, Josh Jacobs. You okay, should. thank you. <laughs> I'll work on it. I'll work on it. Uh, so is Jared Cook, tight end for the Chargers this year, worth a draft pick in redraft leagues? Yes. Will Jerry Judy finish as a top 36 wide receiver? Yes. Okay. I got the information I needed for our upcoming draft. <laughs> Cross that off the list. <laughs> yeah, wait. All right. I am st- next week I'm doing rapid fire. <laughs> if it's in the fourth round and you were say picking in this position, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um let's see. Uh we'll we'll probably talk more about Jared Cook when we get to him, but he was someone that I noticed more in my Right up this week that I'm like, oh, I haven't really thought about this guy a lot, but you know, mm-hmm. I probably should be thinking about him more. And then wide receiver 36 just sounds so low to me mm-hmm. that I'm like, there's no way that Jerry Judy, with all the hype that he had, even though he didn't look great last year, can't crack that. Uh, but he's not someone that I'm looking at that I'm excited about. I'm definitely more of a court and Sutton kind of guy. Yeah, I'll agree with you there. And I'm sure we'll get into that in more detail as we get to that team, Denver Broncos. Uh, Do you want to open us up with the Kansas City Chiefs here? Yes, sure. Uh, The Chiefs, I didn't really do my full breakdown for these because I just don't think it's uh, like worth it, especially for teams like the Chiefs that are like as as stable as can be. The biggest changes with the Chiefs are the way that they sort of overhauled their offensive line, uh, casting off the guys that were injured and could not support Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl and replacing them with uh, fellows such as Orlando Brown, who they got in the trade from the Ravens. They also, the only really offensive weapon they drafted was Cornell Powell out of Clemson in like the seventh round. So he doesn't figure to be a huge factor this year, better or worse. I mean, they figure to be about the same. I mean, which is, which is obviously at the top of the league. Um, So yeah, let's just run through these assets. Um, And you can tell me, 
if it's someone that you're looking to acquire based on their their cost, you know, not just like if you mm-hmm. like them. So Patrick Mahomes, which is obviously a no for me, like there's no way I'm drafting Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, he's going in the second or third round, not for yeah. me. Um, CEH, you can get at a discount, and I think we're all pretty excited about CEH. Yeah. Um, so you asked me about uh, wide. Re- oh, one note on CEH. Did you know that Jarek McKinnon is on the Chiefs now? I yeah, I definitely keep forgetting that, but I did hear that, and it doesn't really factor in for me. He's going to be a supplemental piece. They didn't, you know, he is explosive. Maybe he could have a like a week in best ball that's worth it. But I, I'm not. I don't care at all. He's not going to be drafted in 99% of leagues. It's just I keep hearing there's absolutely no one behind Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And then there is a player that was like, if he can be healthy, was fantasy relevant at one point behind him. So, uh, but yeah, it doesn't, I think CH is a great discount. You can usually get him at like the two, three turn right around there, even even mid third round sometimes. Um, Tyreek Hill for me is a yes, even though he's a first round pick. He's like the only first round receiver I, I would take, except Adams now that Rodgers is I would, Yeah, I would take Adams over Tyreek now that we have confirmation that Rodgers is there, but uh, it's close. I don't fault anyone if they want Tyreek over him. But if I'm picked 10 through 12, I'm fine with either of those guys. Agreed. Um, Miko Hardman, Demarcus Robinson. I I mean, Miko Hardman is listed as the wide, excuse me, the wide receiver two on the Chiefs, which is just insanity. Like you would think that role would have value, but it just doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. I was chasing the dragon last season with McCole Hardman. I added him, dropped him like four times throughout the season because Sammy Watkins would be questionable on the injury report. So I'd say, okay, well, I have a clear opportunity to get some targets on the Chiefs offense. You know, Patrick Mahomes, they score a lot and it never panned out. And it didn't really pan out the year before that either with McCole Hardman. So I think we've seen, I think personally, I've seen enough with that offense and, Mahomes' tendencies that throw to Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey ad nauseum. So I don't think that the wide receiver two on that offense really carries much weight. I think we will see explosive weeks from Demarcus Robinson or McCall Hardman, uh, Hardman or even Byron Pringle, um, but I don't think it's going to be consistent at all. I don't feel comfortable starting any of them. Yeah, uh, agreed. All right, Travis Kelsey, I think he's also worth the investment. I mean... He is the wide receiver one, two on that team. They basically just have two top receivers in Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. And that's why there aren't really enough scraps to go around for mm-hmm. all the other guys. Um, so yeah, he's also worth the investment for me in that kind of nine through 12 range of the first yeah. round. I think that's what will give a lot of people problems in this draft. If they're drafting in the back quarter of the round, like is it justifiable to take Travis Kelsey a tight end in the first round so I think that's going to be you know planting your flag like for a lot of people because like in years past I would never even consider that yeah but in this year no, it's, yeah it's something you should consider because we saw what he can do I he you know I think I, I don't know the exact number but I think he was top 12 if you ranked him as a wide receiver mm-hmm. so there's no one like that at tight end other than potentially Darren Waller or Kittle. So I don't know. He's the most locked in to be like a top 12 receiving asset in the entire league, regardless of position. And wide receiver is deep this year. You can pass up a wide receiver in the first round, lock down wide receiver production out of your tight end spot 
which mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, maybe two other of your league mates mates are getting, and they're not getting it at the rate that Travis Kelsey is producing. They're getting yeah. maybe eighty to ninety percent of that. So yeah, uh, if we recorded this podcast a year ago, I would have been against it just because of yeah. like the, my bias against the tight end position. But now I'm realizing it just like from both a stress and positional advantage perspective, it's hard to pass up on one of the top three guys. Um, okay. Do we have anything else to say about the chiefs here? Uh, the only other notes I had was they did a lot of work in the off season to bolster their offensive line. So that should be better in theory. doesn't always pan out that way. Sometimes it's better on paper than in real life, but I do think that Clyde Edwards, Alaire will have more touchdowns than he did last year because that was his real problem. Um, so I think he is a top 15 running back this year. I think we'll see him go in the third round in most leagues. I'd be willing to draft them at the very back end of the second round if if my draft went RB heavy in the first two rounds. I think that's a guy that is a post-hype sleeper, so to speak. You know, like people drafted him at probably the 10th spot in a lot of leagues in the first round. And he didn't pan out. He was the RB 22 and a half PPR last year. So a lot of people are going to be sour on him. And if you see him fall into the mid late third, you should definitely take him. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, I'm not really hype on the player, but it's the situation is, is just the same yeah. as it was last year. Um, all right. So why don't you take us on to the Raiders? All right. The Las Vegas Raiders, they have John Gruden as a head coach. Gruden Grinder um, and De- uh, Derek Carr as the quarterback. It seems like they don't really get along, but you know that's more narrative street than anything. Yeah, it seems like there's like a lot of just like weird, like passive aggressive tension in in Las Vegas. Yeah, I think so too. But everything publicly is you know kosher. They don't they never get into it publicly, which is fine. But uh, anyways, Darren Waller will lead the team in targets. That's the most sure thing I know about this offense. Uh, he is their wide receiver one, their tight end one, their biggest pass catching threat. He's a beast. I think he's 28 years old this year. Uh, he really showed what he can do. He averaged probably nine to 10 targets a game last year, which is insane for a tight end. Um, I'm, at first in the season, in the off season this year, I was, I had him as my tight end three and George Kittle as my tight end two, but I've come around and, and who else was on, early on it? This you were too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a close debate, I think. But um, I think the target volume that we will see for Waller is just way above what George Kittle will get based on the offenses they're in and the other weapons on that offense. Like Darren Waller is by far the best catcher, uh, pass catcher on this team. No, no question about it. Uh, George Kittle, he's competing with Debo, Brandon Ayuk, and just just a heavier run scheme than the uh, Las Vegas Raiders deploy. So I think that's my biggest, you know, confidence in this offense, that Darren Waller will be a sure thing. Uh, in the offseason changes, we saw Nelson Aguilar, who had a pretty good season with them. He left for the Patriots in, in the offseason. And they added John Brown from the Buffalo Bills, who could not really stay healthy last year. John Smoke Brown. He is a burner. He can get open downfield. He has big play potential. He just hasn't really been consistently healthy in his career, and that's been a problem. But when he is healthy, he is an NFL player through and through on the field. I think he is the best NFL receiver on this team, if you're talking about the wide receiving core. Um, He could easily 
he could easily end up as the wide receiver one this year. But also, I would say that Henry Ruggs, a second-year receiver, highly drafted in the first round by the Las Vegas Raiders last year, he is a good late-round flyer as well. He's just unproven in the NFL, and John Brown has proven that he can do it in the NFL. So it's a, it's a toss-up. Yeah, I like John Brown over Henry Ruggs as well. I think John Brown's probably underrated. Like two years before Stephon Diggs, John Brown was like you know a, a, a solid flex in Buffalo when he was kind of like yeah. the only talented receiver on that team. So yeah, it's interesting to me. Henry Ruggs is listed at the top of the depth chart on ESPN as like their wide receiver one, which is funny you know, considering how little impact he made last year, except that game that they won against uh, the Jets, um, which was <laughs> hilarious. Uh, but yeah, um, I think I'm higher on Josh Jacobs than most people. I, I don't see Kenyon Jake playing that. Like, I think Josh Jacobs is a, a, a pretty talented guy and he's he's just kind of like a steady Eddie. He doesn't obviously didn't get a lot of pass usage, but if you can get him as your third running back or like a, like if you go uh, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver, running back, you know, or or tight end or whatever, like yeah. take a running back in the fourth round. I think that's a solid RB2 situation for Josh Jacobs. Ruggs is kind of a post-hype candidate. Um, you know, there's been chatter, off-season chatter about him getting more targets in the off- offense. I'll believe it when I see it. You know who else, else they added in the offseason? Willie Sneed. Oh, I did not know that. I don't really care, though. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. It's just kind of funny to see these names of people that like have been sleepers or hype candidates at one point in our in our career, and they got yeah. on different teams. And it's like maybe this is the chance. They also have Zay Jones on the roster. Um, yeah. The biggest change for the Raiders was that they like purged their very good offensive line and then drafted like reached on a on an alignment in Alex Leatherwood in the first round. So yeah, I think they're going to be entirely defense. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. Their defense was so bad that maybe they'll be better if the defense is better, but I tend to believe that they're just going to be worse because I don't know. It it just seems like they're not a good team. Yeah. I, I think they'll finish third or fourth in the division, honestly. Uh, But yeah, Waller is the only player I'm excited to draft from this list. uh, And I am third round is a good spot for him. Agreed. Uh, we can move on to the Chargers. Do you want me to take the lead, or you got something to say about big old herb? Um, I mean, all right. So the Chargers. Let's see. I don't have anything specific. I'll just run through my notes quickly because I don't have a ton of them. Um, they drafted Rashawn Slater. Their biggest woe. Their biggest woes. Their woest. They at the worst <laughs> last year uh, was due to the offensive line. And of course, the play calling wasn't wasn't great either. Run heavy play calling without a running back to support it. Um, but yeah, so they draft Rashawn Slater, who's a fantastic, seems to be a fantastic prospect in the first round. Uh, hire a sort of a defensive prodigy as their head coach and bring in Joe Lombardi as their uh, offensive coordinator from the Saints system. So a lot of no huddle, a lot of spread. Uh, a lot of targeting of the running back, which is what you like to see for Austin Eckler. Um, they also lost Hunter Henry and replaced him with Jared Cook. I think Jared Cook has shown that he's just as good as Hunter Henry, and Hunter Henry has always been kind of a viable starting fantasy tight end, even if if a disappointing one. So, yeah, I think Jared Cook is definitely worth a draft pick to reference your mystery question earlier. Uh, Austin Eckler, we both have him, I think, as a top-ten running back. 
uh, especially especially this year with you know year two Justin Herbert better offensive line and he'll be healthy. Um, and then I wanted to ask you, do you know do you have any notes on Jalen Guyton? No idea who that dude even is, man. Oh wait, no, no, no. I was he a receiver last year that kind of like popped up because of necessity that uh, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams were out the same week. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah. If you I had, had to guess this, <laughs> how many yards he had, what, what did you think it was? Well, on the season, right? You're asking. Yeah, on the season, yeah. Uh, two thirty-four. I don't know. Two three five hundred and eleven. That's a lot more than I thought. All right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and three touchdowns, and that's in twenty-eight passes. Yeah, yeah. I think it all came in a couple games based on injury, like I just mentioned. Because I yeah. remember looking at him, or there was like a Chad, Chad Hansen or something. That sounds familiar but, too. Yeah. Yeah. So I was between those two guys just based on necessity. I think I'm fairly certain there was a week that Keenan Allen and Mike Williams were not going to play, and then I think that was a game Keenan Allen played like one drive. Like yeah, he played the I remember first that. Drive. Yeah. And Very then yeah. So I was in the market for streaming a wide receiver that week based on injuries on my own roster. And so I do remember that guy. I don't remember that kind of production, even though that's very mediocre, but also that could prove that he has a larger role in the future. Maybe if one of these guys go down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 500 yards, you know, I think it's not his, I think it was his second season. Like he was a UDFA for the Cowboys, got cut from the Cowboys, signed by the chargers, and then just had to like bear the, bear the weight for a couple of games, as he said, but every uh, like off-season article I read about the Chargers in prep for this pod mentioned Jalen Guyton as someone who, who was like, everyone's excited about going into year two. So mm. um, just a name that was not on my radar even in the slightest until I did this. So just someone to keep on the radar. He probably won't be drafted, but you know, if you see like him catch six passes in the in the first round, maybe you know it's not a fluke because we told you about it. Um, all right. So yeah, Justin Herbert, I think for both of us, kind of the last quarterback we're both like would be super excited to draft. Um mm-hmm. uh, you know, and you can get him in like the seventh or eighth round, which is a beautiful thing. Uh Keenan Allen, well, both of our wide receiver nine, not much more to say there. Very steady, soaked up the targets from Herbert last year. Will likely do the same this year. Austin Eckler, I already mentioned, and then Mike Williams, kind of like one of the unofficial wide receivers of the fantasy bio in terms of how much higher we are on him than, uh, you know, the rest of the publications out there. And then I already mentioned Jared Cook. So what are your thoughts on the Chargers? Yeah, I think you pretty much nailed my points to a T. Yeah, Keenan Allen, he's a top 10 wide receiver this year. Mike Williams, top 36 wide receiver, I believe, and his wide uh, his ADP is 51. So you can get a lot of value if you draft him in the eighth or ninth round. Maybe even you get him in the 10th or 11th round. Like somebody is going to get a super steal on him just because nobody's paying attention. Um, I think Austin Eckler, he is a great back end of the first round, you know, beginning of the second round running back. I think he has top five upside just based on how many, how many targets he gets. Like he is almost a wide receiver in his own out of the backfield. Um, he doesn't get the biggest running workload. And for that reason, I think there could be some value at the running back two spot on this, on this offense. Cause we did see Melvin Gordon and him coexist a couple of years ago. 
But at the same time, I'm not really willing to take a shot on it because what we saw to Justin Jackson and Josh Kelly last year was not inspiring when Eckler was injured. I don't think they have like any upside really. So I think they're just role players on an NFL team that will serve the Chargers better than it will serve a fantasy football team. But I think it is interesting because somebody will be getting those supplementary rushing attempts and I don't know that it'll really be worth it, but we could be talking about this in week two saying, how did we not see Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler did it two years ago? So I don't know, something to note, but other than that, you nailed it. Austin Eckler, I like at the back end of the first. Um, All right. Well said. Take us on to Denver. All right. Denver and his Peyton Manning Omaha Broncos. Uh, Soon he'll be the GM, I assume. I don't know. Maybe not. Anyways, don't really care about that for fantasy football. Um, I think we will see Teddy Bridgewater take over at quarterback in a, in a few weeks into the season. Drew Locke has been uninspiring. He's been, uh, as the fantasy footballers say, he's been irres- Mr. Irresponsible, they call him. Uh, if he was driving a school bus, you know, it would go off a cliff. But I do love drafting Cortland Sutton. I think people seem to be forgetting how good he was in 2019 just because he got injured last year and we didn't really see him. I think there's a little bit of, you know, short-term memory there. He's a six foot four, 260, 216 pound receiver. He had 1,110 yards and six touchdowns in 2019. And if you go watch his highlights from 2019, you'll see top talent in the NFL. He would be parallel to the ground, reaching with one hand for a touchdown pass, and he would catch it in tight coverage. Like that is talent you can't replicate. In uh, he's going like the eighth round or seventh round. Like that's a guy who I think has massive upside, and people are just kind of sleeping on him because he didn't play last year. Yeah, um, he was like he, I was so hype on him last year, and I just yeah. gotta keep that same energy because, like, yeah, it, it's all the reasons you said. Exactly, and the biggest knock on him is, oh, well, Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater is his quarterback. Well, he did that with Teddy, or sorry, with Drew Locke. So, I mean, yeah, I don't think Drew Locke is a good quarterback, but I think that he's a great receiver who makes Drew Locke a better quarterback when he's on the field. So, and didn't Teddy Bridgewater support two one thousand yard receivers last year? He did, yeah. Robbie Anderson and DJ, DJ Moore, Moore, both thousand yard receivers, yeah. yeah. Which is so also why, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, screw your counter argument. We know what we're talking about. <laughs> I do think he's a top twenty wide receiver upside on the year easily, and his current ADP is thirty three. Like that's ridiculous for Cortland Sutton, massive value. Um, Jerry Judy, he had the most uncatchable targets on record last year. So that seems to leave a lot of people writing him off this year. I don't think anyone's really excited about drafting Jerry Judy. And, you know, honestly, neither am I. But his ADP is 38. And when you compare that to Cortland Sutton at 33, it's clearly, you know, clearly in favor that I would rather have Cortland Sutton based on his proven NFL uh, career so far. Uh, But I think that Jerry Judy could be a player in the NFL and especially for fantasy, if we see uh, Teddy Bridgewater take over, I think that will prove that he has more accurate passes on a game to game basis. And I don't really want him as my fourth wide receiver, but if I could get Jerry Judy as my fifth wide receiver that I can put on the bench for a couple of weeks and watch how he's doing, I think he's a good stash and hold with very good upside. What's crazy is how many like competent receivers are on this team. There really are, even like, Noah Fant. 
Yeah. KJ Hamler, Tim Patrick, Seth Williams, all these guys looked good last year. Yeah, and they were all no names until they were forced into a role last year. And yeah, they proved talent. Like uh KJ Hamler was a top twelve wide receiver for like a four week stretch. Like that's yeah. pretty crazy. Well, he was. Pretty, <laughs> I tried. I mean, to, yeah, he was a rookie last year. Yeah, I tried to trade for him uh, in mid season as I tried to fill holes for injuries. Like I was, that was a guy I was targeting. So mm-hmm. he definitely could have a role, maybe even above Jerry Judy. Depends how things go. And in the running back room, it's Melvin Gordon and new newly acquired rookie Javante Williams. I think Javante Williams will take over the lead running back role at some point in the season, probably between week four and eight, somewhere around there. But I think Melvin Gordon starts the year with more work. So if you're looking for somebody to fill in your running back slot or maybe your flex for the first few weeks, depending on how you drafted, I think Melvin Gordon is the better play. But if you're looking at a season-long approach, I think Javante Williams has the higher upside. Yeah, Javante Williams is going to be a stud, especially for Dynasty. Uh, He was like PFF's number one back, explosive, tackle-breaking, a lot of getting some camp hype as well. Uh, I've been telling people in best ball to draft both guys because then you, you're, you're sure you're getting like a season long production out of one of them, which is like really hard to come by across the course of a season. So, yeah, um, I don't know. Uh, no fan, that's the only guy we haven't really talked about, right? Correct. Oh, yeah, if you had anything to say oh, about him, I think I think no. he's worth a late round pick. I, I think. He just has so much hype, like on based on his physical traits and stuff like that. And right. those guys like rarely ever seem to pan out. Right. I think he's going at the beginning of like the back end of the tight end one conversation. Like I think he's going at like tight end eight ish. Yeah, right around there. And, and to me, there's no difference between the tight end eight and the tight end fourteen. Yeah. So I'd rather wait and not draft a tight end in the eighth round who I don't fully believe in and draft the tight end in the 13th round, who is probably equally at risk and has equal upside. So yeah, I'll take I, Gronk I over Noah Fan all day. Yeah, Gronk has better week-to-week touchdown potential than Noah Fan, just based on the offenses, based on the quarterback, and based on the talent of that tight end. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And Gronk is like the tight end 19 or 21 or something like that. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, this is a team also like in terms of running backs that, that I think is going to try and win through the defense, which agree, may, yeah. might give the running backs a bit of a boost, especially if they have two, like, you know, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb are both relevant. You know, this offensive line isn't terrible. It's possible to see that happening here. Um, but yeah, they made most of their like changes and acquisitions this year were made on the defensive side of the ball, trying to improve the secondary to support like that Vic Fangio pass rush. So um, I do think they're going to be a better team this year. I mean, they were just like miserable to watch last year. Um, yeah. But I don't think, uh, I still think they're the last place team in this division. Actually, they maybe have, the they will have Von Miller back. Yeah. I think the Raiders, the last place team, they yeah. blew up their one strength in the offensive line. They still have no proven offensive receivers besides Waller. They probably have a bottom. They do have the bottom defense in this division, I think almost guaranteed. So I don't think they can sustain across the whole season. I think they are the last place team. Broncos probably third or second. Chargers potentially third or second. Chiefs very much locked for the top. Um, all right. So as we wrap this up, 
Atlanta. So we have two items here left on, on our, our schedule. So we're going to be naming the most uncertain player in the division and the sneakiest fantasy pick in the division. Do you want to go first for most uncertain player? Yes. So for me, the most uncertain player, uh, the name that jumped out at me the most was Kenyon Drake, because if he is getting a large rushing attempt workload, then if he is the running back one on that roster, so to speak, and I think he will take most of the passing down work, then I think we are vastly underrating him. He's going quite late in drafts, maybe the eighth or ninth round as a running back. Uh, then he would almost switch places with Josh Jacobs, who's going in the fourth round. So I think he's very hard to rank because you don't want to draft a running back in the eighth round, sorry, in the fourth round, like Josh Jacobs, who could be the eighth round running back and vice versa. You don't want to draft Kenyon Drake in the fourth round, who could be the eighth round. I think it's very uncertain. Okay. I'm going to go in a a different direction here and say Travis Kelsey is the most uncertain player. Oh, just because what he did last year was statistically unprecedented, like from a tight end production standpoint, you know, he like broke the receiving record for tight ends. I I believe, Mm -hmm. I I don't think I'm talking. Um, So the, the idea of drafting a player at their ceiling is never a good idea. And even though we've both like, we're both big Travis Kelsey fans. And we've said that on this podcast, if you're expecting that, Travis Kelsey is going to produce as he did last year or even produce more, you're probably going to be wrong because, you know, statistically regression is much more likely than he's going to do something that has only been done once a second time. Um, Especially as, you know, receivers age into this offense. If Miko Hardman takes on more role, if Cornell Powell was a big body receiver, who, who can, you know, run some of the Travis Kelsey routes, take, take some of those snaps and he plays more of a tight end role, even though he's like a terrible blocker. But yeah, all, all I'm saying is like, you know, you're drafting him at his ceiling. So if you, if you feel certain that that's going to happen, it's, it's a, it's actually a high degree of uncertainty. That's actually a pretty good case. Uh, I will say, yeah, he's being drafted at a ceiling. So you have to be pretty confident if you're drafting Travis Kelsey, but uh, the sneakiest fantasy pick, I think in this whole division for me, it's John Brown because he could prove to be the number one wide receiver on that whole team. Uh, If he's healthy, I will start him. If he is not healthy, then I know not to start him. Um, But so that's me pushing that injury risk aside and saying that when he is healthy and all the receivers are healthy, I think he has a legitimate shot to be the number one wide receiver for fantasy on this offense. And I'm not afraid to take him in the, he's going way late guys. You could take him like between the 10th and 13th round. And if you don't like him, if he's not doing anything, you can drop him, and that's not a problem at all. But I think he could be that guy on this offense for Derek Carr. All right. Well, yeah, that's probably who I had mentioned. But since you you covered him, I guess I'll mention the guy that I spoke about on the Chargers. Jalen Guyton is uh, is is my pick for the sneakiest fantasy pick because absolutely no one is thinking about this guy. No one. <laughs> but uh, everyone is incredibly hype on Justin Herbert. So hey, it, it could happen. Plus, this guy caught uh, even though it was out of necessity. Hey, Justin or uh, Keenan Allen's getting old. Mike Williams is known to you know, play with his heart and soul. 
uh, at risk to his body. So, yes. <laughs> uh, you know, 18 yards per catch from this guy, 511 yards, three touchdowns. Hey, that's that, like, it's, it's a full Travis Fulgham esque in some ways. So, uh, yeah, that'll be my pick for the sneakiest fantasy pick because it's so sneaky. No one will probably even remember that you did it. And no one will ever say it on any other podcast or fantasy of football outlet probably ever (laughs) you've heard it here for once and only folks (laughs) Jalen of the Los Angeles Chargers he is the sneakiest pick in the AFC West (laughs) (laughs) I love it all right why don't you tell the people where to find us on social and we'll get out of here at Fantasy Bible Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Make sure you hashtag cut Cole to, you know, chastise Cole Beasley for putting his family, team, and uh, his uh, city at risk. So, uh, <laughs> and the city, all the of entire Buffalo city of Buffalo is at risk because of Cole Beasley. Watch out, Conway and Benny. <laughs> Don't be angry. Oh, no. We like those guys. Those guys can actually rap, unlike Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley. Yeah. yeah. What all right. At Fantasy Bible Pod, like Dan said, we'll see you on Friday. Screw.